Hello, and welcome to the Diaspora Chiefs Podcast. We love having you here. This show is for ambitious Africans and Caribbeans in the diaspora who want to start, grow, and scale their business. And it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, high-income skills, and know-how on all things digital to create the best lifestyle for you and your family. We know that you have it in you. And now, let's get started with the Diaspora Chiefs host, Victor Osio. Yes, welcome to the Diaspora Chiefs podcast. And we are kicking off episode 001 with content from a visual summit which I created and hosted. It is the world's largest online summit for African and Caribbean businesses. It's called the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Growth Summit, which over 20 plus speakers spoke worldwide and dropped tons of growth tactics and how they scale their businesses. On this maiden episode, we are taking off from a session on the summit with an amazing entrepreneur. She is the 2018-2019 winner of the BE Mogul Awards, which um, recognizes and celebrates influential and inspirational black businesses in the UK. She is the chief digital advisor to Enterprise Enfield. They provide resources for startup and seasoned entrepreneurs and associated with the North London Chambers of Commerce. She's also the ex, uh, she's also an expert contributor for Women on the Web, which is an online platform that seeks to increase digital literacy for women. As part of upscaling her own business, she saw a 100% increase in sales during the first six months of 2017, which she ramped when, when she ramped up things. Since then, she has helped over a hundred of our clients to deal with multiple aspects of their online presence such as developing brands facilitating workshops and seminars website hosting advices and provisions and website reviews and audits my fellow chiefs please welcome vanette john joyce thank you thank you victor happy to be here looking forward to this all right thank you very much today Vanette, we see this summit is kind of unique because we go just we don't we, we've already known about you if they want to find out about you they know where to to go and get some of your bios and your details so we just go right into it because there's no time. yeah no problem okay yeah. How do you maximize your web presence for your business to grow? Right. So um, as, as you mentioned, I, I talk about this um, quite a lot with, with my current clients because the thing about it is, is that business startup is on the increase. It's on the rise now. Um, but one of the things about business startup that we now have to take into consideration that we perhaps didn't have to before is what does your business say or what does your business look like? online, on the internet, on social media, and so forth. So when we're talking about maximizing, what we are talking about is what are the tools or what are the things that we should be exploiting so that we're presenting our business in the best light. And I do find that with a lot of um, clients that I deal with, they tend to have maybe one aspect of dealing with how to make yourself look as good as you can for your business online, but haven't considered all the other aspects. So um, what I tend to deal with when we talk about maximizing is providing just a bit of consultation or a bit of advice around what businesses currently are doing that they could maybe do better, or maybe what some businesses haven't really thought about at all, or or even for some businesses, they, they don't even really like the online world too much personally. And it can be a bit of a mental jump to move from liking it personally to understanding that they are just tools that you need to use 
um, for your business. So are there, are, there, are there any steps that you need to like, if you want to like maximize it now, are there any steps that you need to follow? Yeah, um, I've actually got some, some things here so that I wouldn't um, actually forget. So um, what I find I spend a lot of time um, telling businesses as the first step is you need to review your current business activities. So what I mean by that is you need to just review what is your business meant to be as in the product or the service. You, you need to think about that and think about things like your target audience. Is what you've been doing currently, has that been working for the target audience that you, that you were trying to target in the first place? So for example, if you are in the business of food, but there's a particular type of food that you may have been trying to promote, who would have been your target audience for that? So we can say, if we took the model of McDonald's, for example, you know, they've had to change and review their business over the years to, you know, to become more the, the branding that you kind of see now, you know, they're using less of the, of the red and yellow sort of branding kind of thing to appeal more to children. And it's become more of a, of a family affair. And, and you kind of seen that they've changed a lot of their, their branding over the years to reflect how their target audience is changing or just different audiences that they want to reach. So the first, the first step is review your business activities. Are there things that you need to, to change? Are there things that you need to maybe start to accommodate into your current business model? Because um, then that will inform, okay, if you already have a website or if you are already on social media, then that will determine what changes you need to make on your website or it will determine what kind of content you need to be posting. But you're not really going to know all that unless you're able to step back and kind of review and identify, you know, what are the pinch points for your business? So what are the, the products or the services that are not really doing it for your business at the moment? You're not really making any money or you're not getting the response that you thought you would. So then that's why reviews are always good um, as, a, as a first step. Um, the second thing now is to identify from the review which points are urgent and which points are important. So what I mean by that is that urgent is normally meant to be the first thing that you can actually deal with swiftly and quickly. And the important things are the things that you need to prioritize in as part of your plan after you've done the urgent thing. So, I mean, you can be convinced that everything is urgent and everything is important and that's not the case or that's not actually part of good business planning you kind of need to know okay the, the urgent things for example if i use the the food scenario again yeah. if you know that you're you know here in the uk anyway if you know that your certificate um, with the food standards agency needs updating or you need to attend to something there that's an urgent thing because you don't really want to be trading if you've got like a low rating, oh, that's an urgent thing. But then the important things might be around looking at, okay, in terms of the, the online side of things, um, what pictures have I got up about my food? Are they current? Are they recent? Do they look good? Those are the more important things. So you kind of need to be able to separate as part of that review. Um, the third point then as part of that as well is, yeah, get a plan going. Like, what do you want to achieve in three months? And then, you know, look at things again or in six months' time. What, what kind of time skills are you working towards? This is so you can actually monitor what's going on 
and also so that you have a way of keeping yourself accountable to whatever it is you're trying to do. So I know everybody has different ideas of what a plan is meant to be, but it's always good to kind of have it in achievable chunks. So three months is, is pretty good because there's a lot that you can do in three months and see a change and see a difference. There's some things that take a little bit longer for you to be able to recognize improvement. So then you need to think about what you're doing in six months time. So a classic example of that for me, for what I do with my clients, is that if I build um, a website for them, I say to them that they're going to need time to test that website to see how successful it is for whatever their products or their services, and then be willing to understand that if you've got changes to your business, like if you've got a new product that you're bringing out or a new service, then you're going to have to update your website to suit whatever it is that you are doing you have to be willing to do that you have to have a way to be able to measure you know if you're going to have something new coming in how does that reflect what you've currently been doing um the fourth point is just to, just a minute if i take you back just like when you build websites for your clients now how yeah. do you um, what are the metrics that you use to like measure your website because some some businesses they have their website since I don't know, since HTML was, was it <laughs> And the website just static. How would you like um, major review websites? Are there any metrics to use? Yeah, so you know what? I mean, I'm not going to name, um, you know, specific tools because there's, there's so many different things that you can use to, to gain metrics. But I find that where the issue is, is how you interpret the data. So for example, um, people can have something on their site that tracks you know, which pages um, website visitors are lingering on, at which point on the page they were lingering on, how far down the buying process did they get, did they commit to a, a sale, all these different kind of things. But I think it's how you interpret that data. So you need to be able to, um, in terms of if you know that, okay, for, for, for your website, um, if you've got pages on there that are really not, relevant or you're finding that people are not really gaining anything or there's no footprint on there then it's about being able to interpret the data to say well maybe we either need to remove that page or we need to change the way that the data is structured or we need to find a way to direct traffic so in terms of whether you're getting the traffic from in the first place for your website you need to figure out a way now that okay is my keyword research up to scratch around what my business is about because when people go to websites just as a as a rule nowadays we're just um we're just more impatient beings you know we don't like to read things that are not relevant we don't have time and another trend that you see as well even all the big companies do it when you go to websites they make reading text they work so hard to make reading text a lot easier so that people are not really sitting and reading a lot of stuff anymore unless it's that type of website. But they're using like a lot of larger text in some places or they're just making things a lot easier for people to, um, to use those things. I mean, even social media channels do it like, you know, and, and you know, WhatsApp, all them kind of things. They all um, want to update these features because they're constantly monitoring how we're using these, um, these platforms. And so us as businesses, we should be the same. So the, the metrics, you can kind of implement all sorts of different things online. You just need to do a search for that concerning your website, concerning social media. But it's about taking action on that data or finding someone to help you to interpret 
you know, in terms of demographics. So what type of demographics are you getting to your website? Are you getting the right ones? Um, where is the traffic coming from? Is it coming from, um, you know, for example, what, what social media platform is it coming from? Because there are demographics according to the social media platforms as well. So, for example, I can say, just based on my own research, that the people that you find on Instagram are not the same demographic in terms of majority that you would find on LinkedIn. There's a very big difference. So Instagram is known, for example, to have a demographic more of people late teens, 20. Yeah. But then on, on LinkedIn, you also got demographics that will show you that actually you're getting a lot more of an older audience on there in terms of majority, but then their earning bracket has to be over a certain amount in order for them to be on there. So it's about interpreting that data, interpreting just the different things that are available to give us that data and figuring out, okay, like I say to my clients, which social media platform are you on and why are you on it? Is your target audience there? You have more females on Facebook, for example, than males. If you're targeting a lot of females with your product or service and you're not on Facebook, why not? Things like that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So um, should I go on to my fourth point? Um, yeah, you mentioned keywords. Can you just, well, see, how do we, um, does keywords, um, are keywords relevant to measuring your, or monitoring or reviewing your website? Yes. So, <clears throat> so just in general, um, we, everybody <laughs> will kind to know a little bit about um, keywords, but the whole idea is basically that in all, and this kind of, this kind of falls into the whole SEO thing or search engine optimization thing. So what it basically is, is that if you went to Google right now and you started to type in a phrase like, um, I want to buy red shoes. As soon as you start to type in the words I face, um, then Google will start to throw up examples of what they think you may start to type next. And what that is based on is that they've been tracking and storing the more popular expressions or search expressions that, that day or that week or whatever. So there are tools that you can use that if you're trying to sell red shoes and you want to know how can I embed certain keywords on my site that would help my site to be found, then you can use certain tools that would tell you, oh, if I was doing a search on red shoes, just as a phrase, you know, there are tools that I can use that tell me, oh, you know, there's 2K people, 2,000 people that have used that search term. If I said, oh, I wanted to have something around green shoes and I wanted to find out how many people have used that search expression, it might say, oh, 4K. But then if I said blue shoes, I might find that maybe only 100 people have searched for that. So then I don't really want to use blue shoes as an expression on my website because there's not a lot of people using that search expression. So that's what we mean by keywords in that we're looking for phrases or things that people are more popularly um, searching for and how we embed that in our website content. Not, not over embedding, mind you. You don't want to have a, a page that just, you know, has the same phrase repeating, repeating, but just being smart and being relevant with, um, with, your, with your content, with your text content on your, on your site or even on your, on your posts as well. Does it, does it have anything to do with like hashtags or... Is it the same or? Uh, partly. So where the hashtag is actually quite powerful is um, on social media. It initially, if I'm right, <clears throat> initially started 
um, on Twitter, but Instagram uses the, the hashtag very well. Um, I actually did a seminar about this um, a couple of weeks ago in that you can actually <clears throat> use the hashtag in Google as well if you wanted to look up a particular topic. So, for example, over here in the UK, Brexit is a, is a big deal right now. So if I wanted to get involved in the conversation around Brexit, I just need to start to type in hashtag Brexit and then I'll see different variations around what people are commenting on. So if I were to use a hashtag on Twitter or Instagram, so if I'm posting something, there are people that have those kind of hashtags connected to their account so that when people post according to that hashtag, they will then be directed to my posts and others that have been using that hashtag. And you can also use certain tools to kind of tell you that if I'm posting on Instagram, in order for, for other people that I don't even know to view my posts, I must use hashtags. I must. Otherwise, the only people who are going to see it are the ones that are currently on my followers list. So, for example, let's use the red shoes thing again. If I was posting something about leather shoes, because that's my business, and I've just got a new line in of um, red shoes, I can use hashtag red shoes. And there are tools within Instagram and other tools that you can use that will tell you how many people have been using that hashtag red shoes. So it might be hashtag red shoes. It might be hashtag red leather shoes. I might use another one, hashtag um, red shoes UK, hashtag red shoes our life. There are different um, numbers that are attached to those hashtags to let me know that, you know, 2,000 people use that hashtag or, you know, 20,000 people use those hashtags. So those are the ones that I want to use because then those are the things that will cause people to come to my page and engage with me or to kind of bring awareness to what it is that my business is doing. Fantastic explanation. Uh, we, thank you very much. You can, yeah, you can um, go to the next step now. My next point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, my, my, um, my fourth point is to, um, yeah, so we kind of talked about this, is to research the tool um, that can be implemented and their cost effectiveness. So what I mean by that is that there are a lot of um, tools when it comes to online presence that are free for promotion and, and social media marketing and all of that. But then there are some tools that do require some sort of monetary investment. So if I give an example of um, Facebook, you can create your Facebook business page, um, you know, promote freely and everything. But then if you really want to take advantage of the power of Facebook, then you're going to have to put some money into it using Facebook ads. And that's when you kind of get into what I mentioned earlier about metrics or about data, which is being able to pick, okay, if I'm selling red shoes and I want to target men, then Facebook ads kind of takes you through that step. Who do you want to target? What age group? What location? So you kind of still need to know that if your business is aimed at men and you want to sell your leather shoes, you need to know what kind of men that you want to target. Are you targeting, you know, men that are like 18 upwards or are you targeting men that are 50 plus? Who is it that you're targeting so that when you're putting your money in to, um, to some of these tools, you can measure the cost effectiveness because you understand where your niche is and where you want your, your efforts to be kind of um, most, most seen. So, if, you know, you can waste a lot of money in those kind of things. So that's why I'm saying the cost effectiveness is important because you kind of need to know from step one 
to review your business endeavors and know what it is your business is about and what you're trying to achieve for the next three months, six months, whatever the case may be. And you need to be constantly testing with um, some of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is it. So part of that reviewing is if you're going to put money into something, then you kind of need to have an idea of a budget that allows for testing, <laughs> that allows for the mistakes, if you see what I mean, until you get it right. So like I said, it's good to kind of utilize the, the free thing so that you can kind of use that as, as your testing ground anyway. So that when you really want to push it and you really want to get deep into um, your marketing or your promotion, same with your website, you kind of know already, okay, this is what um, the page looks like. And this is another thing when it comes to our online presence is that you may not even particularly specifically like your online presence per se, but it's not about us as the owner. It's about what's attracting whoever it is that our business is meant to be for, if that makes sense. Yeah, because the, um, the popular thing that is going on about um, testing on Facebook ads and Instagram ads is to test either $5 a day or five mm. a day for like three days, five days. So you like, you see what, because you need to um, know your goal, know your budget. If you want, yes. if you want people to sign up to, uh, to sign up to your product or to sign up to your, your offering, you need to like be able to measure how many people with this, there are different metrics anyways, that you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, as I said, it's about understanding that there are different metrics, but how do you interpret that data? Because um, it's, <laughs> I think for some of us as well, is that it's all well and fine to understand that, just as an example, you've had 2,000 people come to your website, but, you know, in a sense, so what if it's not <laughs> really kind of generating um, what it is that you need, whether it's, whether it's for exposure, or whether it actually is for for sales or for followers, you need to understand what the what you're trying to accomplish. Because, for example, just in business, we know that when someone meets your business for the first time, you know you might not get them on the first sale. You but you need to be consistent. So we can't just think, oh, that person doesn't want my business. It's not that. It's that there's psychological principles in terms of how people function and how and what causes people to commit to sales. So that's why branding is also quite important. Um, when I come across clients that are not too sure about their branding, then it kind of says a lot about how people respond to your business. So that's why um, the metrics or having data is good, but it's how you interpret and what you do with that data and knowing, as I said, where you put your money in. So, you know, there's some people that have wasted a lot of money or lost a lot of money because they haven't been able to interpret where their pinch points are or what products are doing what and what they should do and as i said being able to measure and review over a certain amount of time oh that's good that's good that's good come guys you need to be taking notes um <laughs> because these are implementable stuff that you can do you can actually review your business right now know yeah. where you want to go right now so you don't need to like waste any more time you've heard a lot you've there are so many implementable chunks, chunks, chunks that have been given to you. So take one, take action, implement, review your business right now. Know what you want, make your plans, three to six month goals. Bennett, can you take us to the next step, please? Yeah, so the, the last step, I think we kind of 
went over it already. Oh, but, okay. it's just simply, but it's simply to just um just to monitor and review what's going on. So, because you know the thing about having a plan or strategy, um, sometimes people might think that's boring because you just want to run your business and make money. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, much like how you want to be able to know the money that's coming in, you want to know that how you're making a profit, um, but you need to be able to monitor and review, you know, are you really making a profit? Because just because you've got money coming into your account doesn't mean that you're making a profit if you've got money that's going out your account to support your business in the first place. If anything, it's like you're just breaking even or you could be making a loss. So that's why I'm saying that monitoring and reviewing is very important so that, again, you can hold yourself accountable to to what your business is doing or what you should be doing, but you're maybe not or where things are going really, really well. And you can be like, oh, yes, I need to do more of that. So the monitoring it every three months, um, if you've got a three-month goal, um, every six months, because you need to know what you're looking for and what you should see. So as, as, as solid business owners, we should be looking at, I need to look at this and I need to do that. Now, obviously, it's not everything that you can implement in one day. Some things take time and that's fine. But even as business owners, it's like we need to know. We need to know, okay, this is my intent. I need to be able to review this or I need to amend this or I need to change that. I need to know that actually, like my business, I started out just doing websites, but my business has changed and evolved so much that I don't just do that anymore. I'm, I'm consulting with people. I'm advising people. I help people with um, understanding about website hosting. I help people to understand the changes that their business needs to adopt um, in terms of the online presence and understanding about website responsibilities from a GDR point, GDPR point of view. There's a wealth of things that I do now that is not just websites, but I had to be willing to say that actually I can't just sit and be comfortable with just doing websites because that's what I like to do. I have to also make myself relevant to the growing or the changes in my target audience as well. So, wanted to name review. You mentioned you mentioned GDPR now. I have a little bit of idea about GDPR, but for someone who is coming straight from the blocks to yeah. Um, having an online presence and wants to like capture um, leads or get um, to get awareness from um, the audience. What is GDPR? Should they be aware of that or is something that they don't need to be or it's just for the corporations? Okay. No, it's, it's for everyone who is, well, dare I say it, 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 it has its different applications depending on whether you are a business owner or not, because even if you're not a business owner, when you are going on people's websites, you yourself have rights as well. But in a nutshell, GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulations, this is something that came into um, into force in May 2018. And it was just, um, it's it's the data protection regulations um, anyway, because we've got data protection and we've got GDPR. So data protection in general, as as a general rule still exists, but GDPR was specifically to address um, or I should say it mainly addresses um, a lot of the things around businesses and what's being done with people's data because at the moment we are in a, we're in a time where we are being tracked more than ever before. We are putting in our personal data into more platforms than ever before, even if it's just your email address. You know, if you, 
go shopping and you want to get like the latest offers, what do they ask you for your email address? So it's just about, okay, what is personal data? How can we define that? And what is being done with that data? So for us as um, business owners who have an online presence, we now have a heightened responsibility because obviously we want to have that data because they're going to be our leads or they're going to be our future sales. So we have to be quite responsible around what data that we are collecting and the data that we are collecting is it necessary do we need to be collecting everything um and when we are collecting it what are we doing with it where are we storing it who has access to that data so like for example if you are a business owner and you have a database of um email leads it's you know it's not good practice for you to then be sharing it with your brother because he's got a business and needs a bit of help so we've got to kind of display um, a sense of integrity around the fact that, you know, people's data is actually at risk. We've got to look at what, what, what do we do if we have a breach in our business of some sort or if someone hacks into our website, what do we do because they're going to have access to all the data that you've been collecting? Um, what tracking technology are you using? So, for example, we talked about data and metrics before. So you might be using like cookies and other, another AI on your website to kind of tell you which pages people are visiting and so on. So even all of that, you know, why are you using it? What are you using it for? So it's about making sure that the, the data that we are collecting about people's habits and behaviors that is necessary and pertinent to our business. And we're not just um, collecting it or handling it or, mis or basically mismanaging that information. Wow. Okay. That's that's that that makes light of it. And you just, we just have to be more responsible with people's yeah. data that, that we collect. We do, and we have to. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, one place that um, if someone is new to it now and it's the first time they're hearing or they've heard of it before and it just got a bit complicated is just to go to the ico.org.uk site, and the ICO stands for the Information Commissioner's Office. And they're the ones that actually um, triggered off the GDPR launch um, back in May 2018. Wealth of information just to kind of sit and to kind of get our heads round. Um, and then you can take it from there to figure out what your business needs to do to make sure that it's compliant. So I, I help people when it comes to their websites, really, about understanding, actually, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have like an element on your website where you're collecting people's um, email addresses, then you need to kind of have like, you know, that's where the privacy policies and all that kicks in because you need to let people know that if they put their email address in there, then you're not going to give it to Tom down the road and then Tom's going to start to contact them trying to sell light bulbs or something like that. And then that's not what they signed up for. So I advise around that. But GDPR is, is bigger than just the website. It's actually around the fact that if you are an electrician, for example, and you are actually writing people's names and addresses down on your form. Where are you storing that form? Are you storing it in a filing cabinet? If so, how is that filing cabinet secure? Who has the keys? Where is the filing cabinet? So those are the kind of things that you need to think about as to how you're maintaining security. Um, and that's actually another thing that I deal with as well is um, security on our websites as well. And that's another big thing that's kind of kicked off as part of GDPR as well. So if people visit your site, um, have you got the, you know, what I call the green padlock um, to, to make it easier, but have you, have you um, actually implemented what we call an SSL certificate 
so that people can feel safe that if I come to your site and I want to buy a jumper, that my card details are not going to be compromised. As I said, heightened responsibilities um, as being website owners or being online as a business. So for you to for 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 you to be more um, for you to be more responsible online, you need to have um, you call it SSL. What what, what is yeah, that? Yes. So what, one one of the aspects is to have an SSL certificate, and that stands for Secure Socket Layer. And that is just basically, um, it's basically something that you can implement from your website hosting provider, or you can get them from other website hosting providers. But it's just a, um, it's just a form of technology that kind of encrypts the data that might be processed on your website. So that, as I said, if I came to your website to buy something, and we're putting in our, and I'm putting in my card details, let's say Amazon, for example. You obviously want to feel safe that nobody is, you know, being able to intercept that data somewhere and record that detail that I'm putting into the website. So if I have a website where I'm asking people to buy, um, then I need to have something in place that encrypts that information so that it's not easily um, intercepted and obviously used for fraudulent purposes. But even more so now, even if you don't have a website, that um, does that and your website might be more informational in tone. Um, a lot of the website browsers like Google Chrome and Firefox, they're now actually trying to implement it that they want it as a best practice that all websites have an SSL certificate of some sort. Um, otherwise, if not, um, there are some website browsers that will highlight or say that your site is insecure, which obviously doesn't do very well for your business brand. And in some cases, Google are picking it up and sometimes it can lower your SEO rankings as well. Wow. So, so whose responsibility is that? Is that um, the business owner's responsibility? Or yes. It should be? yes. If you are a business and you have a, um, and you have, uh, well, you should have an online presence anyway. It is, it is the business owner's responsibility to, to deal with all that. So it's, it's about understanding, you know, a lot of our business, whether we like it or not, a lot of our business is going to be affected by what the internet is doing and what's happening. And so in that sense, in terms of responsibility, it's all our responsibility to make sure that people feel safe when they come to our website. You know, um, people are not going to get spam emails from somebody else when we've given over our email address. You know, things like that. It's, it's all our responsibility. Make sure that our sites are secure. Make sure that just people's dealings with us um, are, are good and they're safe, and so that we can be known as trusted brands. And that's what and that's what we want to present ourselves online as trusted. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so um, as a digital advisor, you've actually um, laid down the steps for us to do it on our own. We can actually yeah. take these steps and run with them, and yeah. we, can, we will actually have results. Are there any tools that we can use to like organize ourselves? Because what um, some some viewers that are watching us right now can actually just like you know what this is too much. How can yeah. I do this? Is there is there a way to like simplify it or make it um, easy? I don't know if it's easy. Well, <laughs> I would say that. Um, well, I I can sort of like talk about the. Um, just some tools that I use um, in my business, which has greatly helped a lot. So um, one tool that I use, um, and again, 
a lot of these tools um, can be free in the first instance, but then if you really want to um, expose yourself to the real power of them, then you probably will need to invest some money. But it's a lot like the apps that we download on our phones anyway. You get a certain amount free and then you kind of have to put some money in. Yeah. So, um, for example, um, if you're a business and you want to keep track of your invoicing, um, because you may be doing it the manual way, I, I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> but I use, um, I use a, a, an application online called Zoho. But there's loads of different invoicing services that you can use. But what's really good about um, Zoho and, dare I say, some of the others, is that you can automate your invoicing. So if you've got a business where you need to be invoicing people on a monthly basis, sometimes doing the admin takes a lot of time. So what you can do with Zoho is that you can set up automated invoicing, that you get those invoices sent out on time. That saves you a lot of time and it cuts down your workflow. So the only thing that you really need to be dealing with is having to chase up if someone hasn't paid you your money. Mm -hmm. So um, it's also a good way to kind of keep um, just details of um, also like what your income has been because with Zoho, they actually kind of give you like a facility where you can see like the invoices that have been paid and how much you got on the month or how much you got on the, on the tax year as well. So that's always nice to see as a point of keeping you motivated. So sometimes if you are a business, um, for example, if you're into food, and you've got a lot of money going in and out because you're buying ingredients and then you've got to take on board, you know, like um, losses or food wastage and anything. You've got a lot of money going in and out. So it's kind of nice to be able to see um, in a pictorial manner mm-hmm. where is your money going or which month, you know, that it didn't go so well for you. And then that could even be part of the five points as well as to where you didn't see a lot of money coming in and you, it kind of helps you to see you know, well, who didn't pay up their invoices or, you know, where I had issues or whatever. So just a minute. So it's part of like reviewing your activities kind of. Or monthly oh, activities. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I use it because it just gives you like a snapshot for the, like you can, you can filter it. You can do it for the month. You can do it for the week or for the, what they call the fiscal year or in my term, tax year, April to April kind of thing. So if you kind of want to know how you're doing and, if, and even if your projections actually marry up. So, for your business, you might project that this year I want to take 100k. So you'll be able to see, you know, for the first three months, did you reach the the stage in your first three months for you to keep on track for that 100k? And if you didn't, then you can kind of see where your invoices went. Like, what was you billing people for? Um, was you even billing people correctly? Things like that. Because when you're doing the back and forth thing, the day to day with business. Um, sometimes it's hard to be able to step back and see where your productivity is going. So tools like that are actually really, really good because you can just see things at a glance. It also just means that if you really wanted to get into dealing with your finances, you can download um, a spreadsheet of um, just um, all of your business activities for the year. It kind of helps if you need to do your tax submission as well. But again, there's all these different things about, like I said, about how you interpret your data. That's one of the tools that's actually really good. But Zoho just one, but there's so many others that kind of help with um, with invoicing and stuff. Um, another tool that I use is called Trello. Again, you can download this for free, but then there are paid options that do different things. Very good if you have a team in your business because it means that you can really cut down a lot of um, communication or miscommunication as, as, the, as, as the case may be. So for example, if you've got a team that actually go out and provide a service on your behalf, then Trello is a good way of everybody being able to see um, what needs to be addressed for the week or for the month and people can have various levels of input. 
Um, it also means that you can upload um, documents and you can also put in um, images if people, if there are images that are specific to whatever it is that you're doing. And it's also a good way for you to set reminders for yourself or when you need to get certain things done. Helps you stay motivated, helps you stay on track and to not get distracted or also to be more realistic around the goals that you're setting yourself for the week. So again, if you want to talk about being a trusted business, um, then there's also something that's really good about being able to be realistic about your time or how much time it takes for you to do a particular task for your business and not necessarily give your clients, um, you know, unrealistic deadlines for things. And then you become known as a business that you never, you know, do what you say or you're always late, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a really good tool to keep on, tr on track with your projects. Um, and also you can copy and paste in just your own notes to yourself or even emails that you've gotten from clients for that. If you've had like, um, like me, sometimes I do um, projects for clients and sometimes stuff may happen and the project needs to be on hold, for, on hold for three months. I jump into Trello three months later. I've got all of the information there from where we last left off rather than having to search through emails and, and all that kind of stuff. It's quite time consuming. So Trello is a good tool to use. That's really that's really, really helped um, with, with my business as well. And it's also helped where I've had people that want to become my clients that I can tell them actually I've got a three-week lead time or a four-week lead time. You know, that's kind of how it, how it works. Um, another tool that I've recently started using is called Calendly. So it's basically um, an online calendar service that you can use. So I started to implement this purely because I spend a lot of time consulting giving people advice and I needed to have a way where I can restrict the the days that I'm doing that so that other days when I need to be working on other things in relation to my business I'm not being interrupted or having to be disturbed so I actually schedule in particular days that I will take on um, free consultations for clients and they have to book in using that service and then it actually comes through to a calendar that I have so I can see who I'm dealing with, um, you know, for that half an hour, what we're going to be talking about, whether they want to do a phone consultation or video like this, things like that. And that's actually really, really helped to keep the focus and to make sure that I'm actually getting the task that I need completed. Because for my line of work, um, which kind of jumps between doing the advice and the consultation and also doing the actual design work, um, if anyone who's involved in any kind of design um, design business, you do need to have that concentrated time to actually do it. If you kind of get interruptions all the time, it makes it very difficult for you to kind of get things finished on time. So it's really helped to, again, take charge of my time and also make other people value my time. That's another key thing that when I present people with a calendar um, link for them to use, they instantly have to value my time. And they instantly have to be switched on that we're not going to sit around and talk about the weather for 15 minutes. They understand that they've only got a certain amount of time, so they have to make it worth it, you know, in terms of the, the free consultations that is. Wow. That's... Come on, guys. With, with, <laughs> with, this, with this advice, <laughs> there's no reason why not. See, I, see this summit is to is to reduce your excuses as much as possible. We want That's to a good way to put it. <laughs> from, from 100 to zero. Mm. So, so, so there's no excuse anymore. 
If you want to be online, boom. See, just know where you are. Then where do you want to go to in the next three to six months, which is an actual, a very smart time to check yourself, to monitor and review. So she has listed everything that, the steps for you to go online tomorrow. So, and there are free tools for you to start up with. If you want to go paid, then go pay to the next level. But right mm. now, right now, see, just, it's becoming a zero-sum game now. Go out there and <laughs> not go out there. Go start now. You still have time. Start now. You can do yeah. some research right now. Regards, if you want to know um, about your keywords, Google it. If you want, just do some research right now and just start mm. where you, wherever you are and just keep going. Excuses are no more. 2019, yeah. there's no more time for your excuses. You can take actions right now because she has given you practical steps. She has given you practical steps that you can use to scale your business, to, 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 to scale from, to move from your brick and mortar to an online empire. She has given you, even though you're already online, as a startup, seasoned entrepreneur, you can just keep going. So there's no, there's no more excuse. No, I would, I would say that it's, um, you know, and, and literally a lot of the information is online, but I think we also have to be uh, patient enough to do the research and to order our thoughts about what we're going to do. And, and we do need to plan. Um, I, I don't care who it is. You do need to have some sort of plan. If you can't, if you can't do it yourself, here's another thing. If you can't do it yourself personally, then you may need to find someone to kind of help you through a certain level of the process, and that's fine. But a lot of the information is there, but it is just taking the time to to actually make a few plans, get some ideas down, and work with those. But when we just burst out and just do certain things, and we don't necessarily have a particular goal in mind or strategy then yeah, that's when things kind of fall down. Definitely. Um, as I said, I do, um, as I said, I do offer um, free 30-minute consultations. Um, and if, there is, if, it, if it's identified that what the person needs is going to be a little bit more in-depth, um, so if it's going to be help around branding, if it's going to be help around just looking at where they are from that side of things, or even if it's actually a straight, business like a, a like a core issue like to do with your projections and what have you again I, I have connections to pass on to but yeah in the first instance if somebody um did want to um have a, a chat just a, a 30 minute chat kind of thing and so that's stress for 30 minutes mm -hmm. then yeah i'm totally totally open to, to have that to kind of give some direction as to what they need to do or where they need to go and um, if they decide to take up a service with me then that's obviously that's great but it could actually well be that in some cases um, there are people that come to me and it's not actually in every case that, for example, they may need um, something that I provide. It actually just may be that they need to go and be signposted somewhere else. So um, if, there, if there are people that were interested in that, then in the first instance, they can, they can email me um, and then I kind of just give them the link to my online calendar so they can spot themselves in. Okay. And um, is it okay for you to share your um, email with us? Yeah, yeah. So my email address is getintouch at 7dwebdesign.co.uk. So the 7D um, is the number seven. So again, that's getintouch at 7D, D for Delta, webdesign.co.uk. All right. Thank you very much. Guys, get in touch. If you can't do it by yourself, get in touch. 30 minutes conversation with her. 
um, she's going to go through with whatever issue that you have regards web designing, web presence, and let's get in touch with her. No problem, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we are very grateful. I believe the audience as well, they are very grateful as well. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Victor. It's been, it's been good. Thank you. All right, thank you. Have a nice evening. And you. My diaspora sheaves. Thank you for hanging out with us today on this episode. More info and show notes can be found online at um, www.diasporaships.com. Please subscribe and share this podcast with friends and ambitious Africans and Caribbeans in the diaspora who wants to start and launch um, the digital lifestyle business. Thank you and I'll see you next week for a new episode.